Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk about tips for higher yields in soybeans. If you've got any questions about that or anything that's going on in your farm, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, agphd media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so I'll start you out with just a couple of things when it comes to higher yields in beans, and then we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag. I guess the number one thing we always talk about on the show is drainage. You got to make sure you have good drainage. And now you might be from a dry area with light soil and you're going, well, how about irrigation? Okay. Drainage and irrigation. I'm with you. Unfortunately, like for us, I'm trying to think of, Darren, do you remember what they said? Are we over 25 miles of granite or 35 miles of granite? Something like that. I don't remember the number, but it's it's it's, a lot. It's a staggering amount. The point is we can't get water. So the important th- the important thing to know, Brian, is we, we're probably <laughs> crazy for being farmers. We should just be like quarry miners here, and just that's why there are quarries around us. Yes, but anyway, the point is for us, we're non-irrigated, and so since I can't irrigate, I'm thinking about drainage. Even though we're in a drier area, and we don't need drainage everywhere, every year, anything like that. Tiles huge for us. Number one thing. Number two, we're always going to talk fertility, and it's everything. It's not just N, P, and K. It's sulfur. It's calcium and magnesium. It's the micronutrients. Looking at all those things, when do you apply them? How high a level should you have in your soil? What we've learned is foliar feeding for us and, oh, we're going to throw a little bit out here and there. It just doesn't work super well because our rain's so inconsistent. So that's why in our heavy soil as well, we're way ahead to just build up the soil, but getting that balance is a real key. So we'll talk about that a little bit yet today too. I mean, beyond that, it's weed, insect, disease control. And I would just say this, a lot of people look at variety selection. I I hear it all the time. I read it all the time. Guys say, well, I increased my yields with variety selection. That's kind of like saying, well, I made money because I went to Las Vegas and gambled. Well, Sure, sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose. But consistently, no. I don't believe in the whole variety selection thing that you can consistently gain significant yield. And please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying certain varieties in certain years and in certain fields aren't better, okay? I get that. What I'm, I mean, like let's say you had bad iron deficiency chlorosis. Well, of course, you want to plant a good IDC bean. If you've got uh, soybean cyst nematode, of course, you want to plant an SCN resistant bean. That's not what I'm saying. Where I'm going with this is if you make your soil better, all varieties are going to do better and you aren't going to see as much gap in, oh, hey, I've got, what, what you got going on there, Darren? He's, Darren's making adjustments to his mic and headset and everything else. And anyway, <laughs> uh, Oops. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what I'm trying to say here is if you want to be able to plant almost any variety and still get high yields, that's where you've got to look at all the other factors because I mean, honestly, there are a lot of these things that start to go away a little bit if you just have the soil right. You got the nutrients are 
very ample and well-balanced. You've got good drainage out there. You've planted at the right time. You've done everything to set yourself up for success. You've killed all the weeds, insects, diseases. Now, variety to variety doesn't make nearly the difference. So anyway, lots to talk about when it comes to higher yields in soybeans, and we'll get to that during the rest of our show. But right now, let's hit the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! This comes from Rudy. He said, uh, do you guys have any opinion on drone application versus plane versus ground application for fungicides? Uh, Have you done any work on this on your farm? Well, we've only done work when it comes to ground versus air. And honestly, I don't really care necessarily what you do. It just depends a little bit on the situation. In other words, like for us, we like aerial application when the beans are too big. And even in a 30-inch row, we'd be ripping them up if we ran through there with our sprayer. Now, granted, we got 120-foot booms. You wouldn't rip much up. But still, we do like the the air aerial application. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, with the drones, no, I, I don't know. We, we haven't tested it yet. I'm hoping that this year we're able to do some testing on that. There have been a lot of people excited about that, but there are also a lot of regulations to it. you got to be real careful about that. And the tank's small, so you're going to have to be refilling many, many times more than you would in a normal sprayer and even, for that matter, an aerial sprayer. So I, I guess I just want you to get the product out, and I want you to get, to get as good a coverage as possible. And as long as you do that, then I would expect you're going to get results. Okay, uh, next one comes from Bill. He said, would uh, PGR like ProLiant or Rise Up Smart Grass work on alfalfa as well to increase tonnage? If not, what PGR would you recommend? No, and there's no PGR uh, that I know of that's going to heighten the plant like what Rise Up or ProLiant PGR. They're both gibberellic acid. Uh, what they can do to a grass plant, they will make it taller. What we use on our own farm, we're using uh, Megagrow, so IBA and cytokinin, um, and the purpose there is root growth and maybe leaf growth and that kind of thing too. So I can't necessarily say we're making the plant taller, but yeah, we do believe we're gaining tonnage. All right. Uh, new herbicide question for you. What are your thoughts on Storin herbicide from Syngenta with two group 15s and two HPPDs? I think it's just fine. Just be a little bit careful uh, when and where you're using it because when you start using a lot of HPPDs and you don't have any other great mode of action in there, I mean, sure, the group 15s are okay on water hemp, palmer, kochia, things like that. You know, I'm just a little worried that it's not enough. But if it's a setup product, sure, I think it's just fine. Lots of questions there, some of them on corn, but on today's show, we're going to focus on tips to higher yields in soybeans. Stay tuned. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or Naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields. That's why an agro-liquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more, precisely. Find an agroliquid dealer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about soybeans and getting better pr- productivity, more profit off each acre of soybeans on your farm. Love to hear the ideas you have about this or things that are working on your farm. Our phone lines will be open at 844 44 Ag PhD. You can also send us a question, radio at agphd.com. We've had a lot of questions that have come in. We're going to try to get to a bunch of those on today's program. i uh, got our friend Tony Wendler on right now down in Iowa with Farm Shop MFG and, of course, with Tony's Farm. <laughs> Tony, how you doing? Yeah. Happy Monday, Darren. I'm excellent today. Thank you. Hey, i got a question Please. for you. Was that, we were talking about soybeans today, and, and we were just talking corn yep. last week, and you had mentioned about closing wheels about getting that seed depth just right getting your seed to soil contact perfect a lot of guys don't take that as serious with beans they think oh man beans ah, they're pretty forgiving uh I, i don't really have to be at a certain depth like i do with corn but boy if you could plant beans with the care and attention you plant corn with i've just always found that to be an improvement what have you seen you know one of the things i i Wanted to add in, I just read uh, some information from a study back a couple months ago. And one of the things, and this is going in the direction of corn, it was referring they're starting to see some value in singulation. And uh, where you talk about being sloppy, everybody thought, oh, beans can be two or three together, not a big deal. They're, that was saying that uh, there appeared to be value in singulation, and they thought that beans would move that direction. It needed more research. But, uh, you know, that's maybe like the canary in the coal mine that uh, somebody comes out, we need to start thinking about it. And then uh, the the next uh, component, I uh, had read something on this. And I, I wish I could quote where I got them from, but uh, you get these little bits and they go in your brain and you can, you're able to throw them back later. Uh, the uh, was talking about the evenness of getting product out. And I know you're a fan of that. I've heard you talk about that. Absolutely. Before, that the, getting the plants out even so they're all out of the ground as early as they can be and competing. So uh, 
going to that being sloppy, it, uh, if we want to get the best yields, we probably need to be thinking about doing the best job we can, just like corn. Get them as even in that furrow as we can and getting that furrow closed and getting the seed to soil contact. And I know some people talk about depth, and I hear people talk about uh, going, uh, you know, one inch and less. And uh, I'm really about plant to moisture, that uh, wherever the, the moisture is in your soil profile, at least get the bottom of the furrow to moisture. And uh, after that, I've, my next thing is on my planter, people talk about planting like an inch minus, and I just don't think I can hold a furrow that accurately, an inch minus. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost impossible. And and you mentioned the moisture. That moisture changes so fast in that top inch that it's crazy. Hey, Tony, one other thing yeah. I was thinking about here, too, is just making more money in soybeans. Brian talks about this a lot, harvesting timely, what a big difference that makes. Having bin fan controls has been a game changer on our farm where we're not scared to take beans out of the field at 14 or maybe even 15 some years when things just aren't drying down out there. I remember back a few years, when the humidity stayed really high, we pulled beans out of the field at 14 to 15% while everybody around us waited, and we gained weeks on our neighbors getting harvest done. Yeah. You know, hey, that's the uh, that's the real awesome thing. Go out there. You, you get out there earlier, you totally limit your shatter loss. You know, your, uh, your harvest loss goes way down if you are out there earlier with those beans being a little bit greener. And again, as wet as your combine can thrash those beans, I think you need to have at it. That's where your, uh, whatever your combine can handle. And uh, get out there, get going. The next thing people think about is how costly is that? And I have a little bit of information that I can uh, throw out to you. Um, this is a, uh, a little less than 20 it was in there, but it's a 20,000 bushel bin has uh, three 10-horse fans on it and I put a meter on it this year, my beans went in uneven. So I had four layers that I was identifying. One was in there at about 17. The, um, I had uh, another layer was in there at uh, a little under 13, one right at 13, and the other one was uh, like 10 or 11. So the bin was pretty uneven. So my job was to even that bin up. And uh, all the layers, but the wettest layer is uh, about a point over on moisture yet. So it's uh, sitting there about 14. But I figured out what the dollar cost was off that electric meter. It was only 136 bucks. And yeah, you heard that right, $136. Wow. Those, fans are, those fans are running. Uh, those fans, now I wish I, had, I remembered the uh, hour meter, but... They only ran like 50, 60 hours through the fall. Now they're on and off. It took months for those things to, to really even. And I got three layers at 13, and the one is about a point over. Yeah, it's it's uh, it kind of neat, though, too, Tony. You mentioned the on and off, and I know a lot of times farmers say, man, I'm not going to be out there switching. I'm just going to either leave it on or have it off. That's why we like bin fan controls that you can set up to to turn on and turn off and, and control things when the conditions are optimum to do it. Hey, Tony, uh, we're going to have to let you run, but good talking to you again. And uh, if you get any information about how to do the things Tony was talking about, just visit farmshopmfg.com. Thanks, Tony. Uh, get Aaron Eddy on right now with Azotic to talk a little about soybeans. Aaron, how you doing? 
Hey, good afternoon. I'm doing great, Darren. How are you? Good, good. You know, on the naturals front, a lot of folks are focusing their energy on corn, but I think we're really missing it here. Soybeans are a very responsive crop to a lot of the different natural products out there, and uh, I know you guys have seen that in your research as well. Yeah, you're right. They are responsive. I think I think one of the uh, traps we could fall into is thinking that uh, – our rhizobia in the soil or or the inoculant we choose to use is going to provide us all the nitrogen we need when in fact uh, it falls short for us in many cases and so being able to supplement that plant and put it in a better position like we can with Invita SC uh, gives us the ability to, to really add on later in the season when those rhizobia have shut down for the year. You know, a lot of folks talk about the, uh, I'm, I don't mean to lump you into this group, Aaron, but nitrogen replacement sure. products is how a lot of farmers will classify uh, products like Invita. And you think about corn, guys are putting on N, and many of the companies with products in this market will say, well, cut back on how much N you're putting out. But uh, I, I found a lot of guys are nervous about that, and they don't necessarily cut back. So nitrogen isn't a yield-limiting okay. factor. And, well, if you already have too much N on, putting more N out there isn't necessarily going to help you. So it's a little trickier in corn. In soybeans, I don't know hardly anybody that's putting out significant amounts of nitrogen. And that crop right. is a high nitrogen user for each bushel of soybeans. It takes uh, somewhere around five and a half pounds of nitrogen, give or take. That's a lot of N and you're right. Rhizobia bacteria, I don't care how good they are and, and how good a job we do trying to keep them alive. They're still not going to be able to produce all the N we need. Right. And and the other key factor to understanding rhizobia is that, uh, you know, you get lazy soybeans from adding too much N because genetically the rhizobia are, are triggered to shut down nitrogen fixation in the excess of uh, additional nitrates. And so a lot of the times we go out and make recommendations to keep starter fertilizers extremely low because we don't want to shut them down and hinder that process. Uh, they're also triggered by the plant, right, the signaling process and uh, the rhizobia won't start their work until the plant's ready for them. So you want that plant to be hungry early. The key with with adding Invita to the mix is that we're adding a bacteria, uh, Gluconocetobacter diazotrophicus, that enters into the plant cells and can fix nitrogen similar to what the rhizobia do with a couple of key differences. And, and one of the major differences is that this bacteria doesn't shut down in the presence of excess nitrogen. So it can truly supplement as the plant calls for nitrogen. The plant can pull it from all different sources. It can pull it from the ground. It can pull it from the uh, nodules on the roots where the rhizobia are. And it can also pull it from the plant cells where the Invita bacteria is. Yeah, timing out the nutrients for your crop and feeding your crop exactly what it needs every day is really tricky, as Aaron Eddy is saying here with Azotic. Uh, one of the nice things about products like Invita that uh, can produce more in for the plant is it's there, and in the case of Invita, it keeps on producing. So when you do need it, you got some extra in. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. We'll talk more about soybeans coming up next. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. 
Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. For the smallest investment with the biggest impact on yield, upgrade your planter with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. To see how we stack up against the competition at a fraction of the cost, call us at 712-520-6051. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll answer that question at our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into your best options for control of yield robbing pests, trade options including Extend Flex and Enlist, Fertility, and much more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, come to the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio, talking about higher yields in soybeans. What are some things you could do? We talked a little bit about getting the soybean planted correctly, uh, looking at singulating the seed, looking at uh, getting that seed planted deep enough that it's not going to be in the top inch. You want to get it down where there's some moisture and some consistency. Uh, and then harvesting it timely to avoid loss at harvest. Just completely avoid shatter loss uh, and loss at the head by harvesting a little bit wetter. It gives you a chance to, to get harvest done quicker. You have a little more time in the fall to do more things. And also if you can harvest soybeans where you can sell them at 13% moisture instead of 8 uh, that's a lot of dollars in your pocket. And then we talked about some of the naturals out there specifically producing some more nitrogen. Uh, and obviously there's a lot of different naturals products that can help with 
um, uptake of various nutrients, expansion of the root system, and so on. So lots of things there on the naturals front, more than we're going to cover in one show. Uh, i got Vince Davis on with us now with BASF. Uh, Vince, uh, when, when we give you a broad topic like improving yields in soybeans, I'm sure there's about 100 different ways you could go at this. And what are some of the best tips that you've got for growers? Yeah, thank you uh, for recognizing that because we get asked about high-yielding soybeans all the time, and there is no one secret. This really is perfection of a 100 things is what it takes with soybeans, and we talk about that throughout our BASF portfolio is it's about having a plan for all season long to control all pests and then uh, starting with the right variety and protecting that all the way through the season. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, it's it's start to finish, and you think about seed treatment. Uh, I like the work that BSF's been doing here, putting a lot of different uh, fungicides. Some of the brand new fungicides that have had the best performance in the crop uh, are getting now used on some of the seed treatment combinations. That's pretty exciting to me, just to to start that plant off healthy and vigorous. Absolutely. Uh, picking the right variety, but then planting that variety as early in the year as you can. You know, early planting, and that's a subject that gets talked about by everybody, is really important. But when you have that right variety and you plant it early, first thing you have to do is protect it from all of the soil-borne insects and the cold, damp conditions that that seed is going to lay in early in the season. And I, I know every agronomist and farmer that's experimented with early planting have had that experience where they've just been amazed at how long the seed has has stayed in the ground before it's come up out of the ground but one really important element to being able to do that is a powerful seed treatment package that protects it not only from uh, several soil-borne fungi but also below ground insect pests like grubs and uh, seed corn maggots and then also knowing what your soybean cyst nematode count is and making sure that you have a seed treatment to protect from soybean cyst nematode count, uh, soybean cyst nematode if your counts are high, uh, comes in that total complete uh, seed treatment package, which has proven to be absolutely valuable for a high yield package and to also shown to have tremendous return on investment for farmers. You know, I think planting early is a real big key. I really like that. I like getting the plant as big as I can by the time you're catching those long sunlight days uh, in mid to late June. I think that's great. Uh, I think if we are planting early, though, it does make us more susceptible to sudden death syndrome. And that's one thing I think growers really need to keep in mind. Yep, you can move your planting date up, but you better step it up on what you're doing on that seed treatment. You are 100% correct. Uh, sudden death syndrome, the signs always show up late in the season, but the infection occurs at that seedling emergence timing and before that plant is in the V2 stage. And two ways that you can protect uh, from sudden death syndrome are seed treatments on the market. There's one from a competitor called Saltro. It's a good SDS option, but there is also a Levo that we provide from BASF it's also good on sudden death syndrome, but more, more importantly, it also controls soybean cyst nematode. And if you have soybean cyst nematodes out in the field that feed on roots, it opens up wounds and makes it more susceptible to SDS, 
as well as more susceptible to other soil-borne pathogens. So one of the most important things is to actually use a seed treatment like a Levo that protects against both of those diseases and most importantly protects against that soybean cyst nematode. Um, you also mentioned that there's a whole new plethora of biologicals on the market to do a lot of different things. And that's one thing that's really exciting right now that we have to offer growers is in our seed treatment package, a uh, seed treatment called Poncho Votivo Precise. And Poncho Votivo has been the number one seed treatment in corn for many years. It's now available in soybeans. And the Votivo part of that is actually a biological that brings a second mode of action to help protect against soybean cyst nematode as the plant grows and gets uh, a larger root system. So the Alevo protects against soybean cyst nematode feeding really early, but the Votivo actually protects those roots for a little bit longer as they grow further away from that uh, root zone around the seedling. Yeah, there's just a ton of things out there when it comes to that naturals market. And, and you're right, you're talking about naturals that have been out for a long time, that have been proven in the marketplace. Uh, that that gives growers a lot of confidence, too. I, I know that's something that gets used on a lot of acres here on this farm, too. Man, Vince, we didn't even scratch the surface. You mentioned higher-yielding soybeans are really perfection of like 100 things, and we got to about half a dozen of them. That's not bad for one conversation. We'll have to have you back on again some other time. I would love to because we didn't even hit on things like the importance of early season herbicide residuals and not letting weeds take any of that yield or protecting those late season flowers with foliar fungicides. So there's a lot of really important things when uh, when you talk about the full season. And you, you know how we feel about killing every weed out in the field. That's super important to us too. Hey, Vince, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on and, uh, and good luck heading into spring here. Thank you very much. A couple of things that he mentioned at the end there, like spraying late with fungicide. It's not just late. We do get a lot of questions about how early should I start spraying. And quite frankly, what we found, if, you, if you're worried about sclerotinia white mold, we've actually had pretty good success with Cobra at a fairly low rate. It costs like five bucks or four bucks. It's very inexpensive. Spray right before flowering. Okay, so do that. If you're really worried about white mold, the best product is Endura. Okay, spray at R1. That's the best timing for that. But here's the thing. White mold is the worst disease you can get in soybeans. That's been our experience. It's literally taken 100% of our yield in spots. And I'm, it's no joke. And I'm not exaggerating at all. It's completely wiped us out in spots. So because of that, you can afford to spend more money. I'm not saying everywhere. I am saying in those spots, in those historically bad white mold spots. So I would look at everything from contans to eat the sclerotia. I would look at cobra. I would absolutely consider spraying three times foliar. So Endura should be your first shot. But there are other products that work too. So do something. And on top of that, you can look at other things like having good drainage, having the right balance of nutrients. Manganese, we found, is really important. There's heads-up seed treatment. I mean, you've got a lot of options there. Don't just think, oh, I'm going to get by spraying a, a shot of fungicide one time late, and that's going to solve my problem. Or also don't think, well, I'll keep scouting my fields, and once I see white mold, I'm going to spray. No, you're already way too late. You've already lost a whole bunch of yield, and that's my biggest frustration with the fungicides. So take bugs, for example, or even weeds. If you are 
timely with it and you're scouting on a regular basis and you see some bugs that are harmful and you're like, ooh, I think we're at about a threshold level here. Well, you can go spray that same day, wipe the problem out, and usually you're in pretty good shape for a yield. Same thing with weeds. If you're very timely, you, you go, okay, I got a whole bunch of half-inch tall weeds. I'm hitting them today. You get them wiped out, awesome. You've mostly preserved maximum yield. But with fungicides, you've got to spray before you ever see the disease because by the time you see the disease, that infection had occurred long ago. Your plant's already been suffering. Now you're seeing it when it's really bad. Same thing with scouting for nutrient deficiencies. By the time you see it in your crop, oh, it's really bad. You've already lost a bunch of yield. We're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Are you ready for better efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash base. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or Naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, making it tough to make the right choices for your farm. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, we want to share what we've learned with you. Naturals have enormous potential for growing profits on your farm. So whether you're trying to reduce your crop's nitrogen needs, make your crop cooler and more drought tolerant, control diseases without pesticides, or just boost overall plant growth and health, you won't want to miss this exciting workshop. It's the free Ag PhD Naturals Workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. For more information and to register, go to agphd.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com.
You're listening to Ag PhD, Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about soybeans and getting higher yields. Uh, giving a few tips out here, but if you've got tips you'd like to share or if you have an agronomic question, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send questions in radio at agphd.com. Brian, I got three questions on nitrogen. Man, when we open that nitrogen up, uh, we just seem to get lots of questions around it. Uh, Dalton asks, how do you estimate nitrogen loss from leaching uh, and and other means of nitrogen loss? Is there a way to estimate how much is leaving? There probably is scientifically. I just don't know what that is. So generally speaking, we are looking at a, just a few different things. Number one is what's our cation exchange capacity? So how heavy is the soil? Number two would be... Uh, basically how much product in total am I using? Okay. So if I've tested my soil, I got a hundred pounds there. I put on 200 more pounds. I got 300 pounds all sitting out there and my crop is not using a lot right now. I'm going, I'm a little concerned. It's a little risky. And then the big thing, number three is rain. So how much rain am I getting? Because what I'm, where I'm worried about this loss is leaching. Okay, or potentially denitrification. But if I've got, if it's, let's say, early in the season and I'm just laying it on the soil surface, or I guess it, it wouldn't have to necessarily be early in season, but anytime you're laying nitrogen on the soil surface, then you you could to some degree run a little bit of calculation. So for, for example, urea, you're going to start to lose that within about 48 hours. Now, how much you're going to lose depends a lot on heat, sunlight, things like that. But in terms of volatilization loss, then I'm looking at, okay, what what's my product? If it's urea, it's, it's uh, less stable than, say, liquid 28%. And both of those are less stable than if you put a nitrogen stabilizer with them. So anyway, I know I'm getting down into the weeds here, but I'm just saying... If you're looking at the volatility loss rather than the leaching loss, then those are my other factors that I'm trying to consider. Which product am I using? Do I have a stabilizer or not? And then how much sun and heat do I have before I get the appropriate rain or tillage to get that down into the ground? But yeah, it's it's not easy. It's not an exact science. Maybe somebody has come up with some kind of calculation, but I I don't. I've never seen anything like that. So it's basically using common sense. All right. Uh, Ken leads us into the next question. This comes from Whitney. Uh, I've got lighter soils. My CEC is generally between 5 and 10, but some spots are below 5. Now, we're kind of an old school farm. We've front-loaded nitrogen for the season in many Ooh, cases. How much? But clearly, we're wasting money yep. as uh, the chart or the soils well, just can't hold how much we're putting out there. So. Well, if you don't get rain, you're not wasting the money. It's not gonna, it can't leach away if you don't get rain. Okay. Uh, so is there an average amount of N used daily or weekly during certain growth stages? Sure. Uh, I want to figure out how I can efficiently spoon feed or side dress N as I don't have irrigation options sure. and I can only do use side dress or foliar spray. Yes, there are plenty of charts out there. Almost every university has some kind of chart and you can just look at nitrogen uh, let's see, what would you call it? Nitrogen, uptake. Yeah, thank, thank you. Nitrogen uptake per day through the season. And there will be there are graphs out there showing you, okay, it, it's roughly, and, and I'll give you some numbers. It's roughly 25% of your nitrogen is used by about V9, V10. Uh, by 
just before tassel, you're going to be up to 50%. Right after tassel, you're going to be up to about 75% or right after silking. And then you've got the whole rest of the season where you lose the, use the last 25%. So it's in that middle of the season as you get near tasseling that a tremendous amount of the nitrogen gets used. Now here's the other thing that I want to say to you. If you don't have irrigation, and I don't know if you're in a wet area or dry area, but you always want to be a little bit on the early side if you don't have irrigation. I'm not saying weeks early, but maybe a week or so, 10 days early, something like that ahead of when that nitrogen is going to be used because it has to get down into the soil. So it all depends on what your rainfall is. Like for us on our farm, granted, we have heavy soil, so I'm not as worried about the loss, but I'm trying to be two to three weeks early just because we're so dry and I don't have to worry as much about the nitrogen loss because of the heavy soil. So anyway, yes, there are certainly charts out there showing you when the nitrogen is going to get used in corn and any other crop as well so you can time it out a little bit better. Okay, thanks for the question. Uh, then in terms of uh, nitrogen stabilizers, uh, Brian asks us in no-till fields, if I'm worried about volatilization because I'm leaving nitrogen on the soil surface, what do you think is the best stabilizer to prevent uh, UAN32 or urea from volatilizing? And uh, are there any particular ones you'd recommend? Okay, I will say... Because there's a ton of them out there. Yeah, there. there are. Yep. So when we're talking about just volatilization, that is definitely different than if you're trying to protect against leaching and denitrification. And often you can find something that is less expensive. So it's maybe Pinnet Max, Anvol, there's Trident. I mean, there are a number of different products that can help you from volatilization. And I just talk to your retailer, talk to your fertilizer dealer, see what product they're carrying and what they think is the best. But I can just tell you that it's, it is going to be less expensive when all you're after is protecting against volatilization. Okay, uh, next one. Jim said, all right, guys, we're really struggling with Palmer pigweed here in southwest Nebraska, even small ones. It seems like we have to go up to 10 ounces of status to knock them out. Uh, are you seeing this in other places? Uh, is there anything else I should be doing besides just greatly increasing that status rate to try and get them under control? I don't think 10 ounces is even labeled, is it, Brian? Isn't seven and a half the top end? I thought seven and a half was the top end. But it, granted, he may not be thinking exactly what the right rate is. Let's hope that that's the case because 10 ounces of status should cost you, would cost about $40 an acre. So one of our, our I feel, most important jobs is not just talking to you about agronomics. It's talking to you about economics as well. We want to help you find the least expensive way to do an amazing job when it comes to weed control in your farm. So honestly, if I'm if you're having if anyone is having a just a runaway, a disaster with weeds and you can't get them solved with herbicides, let's start talking about the cultural practices. So what I mean by that is can we go to narrow rows? I I will promise you if you are in 30 inch rows today and you switch to 20 inch row corn or more narrow you will find that your weed control is better. Also, increase your population. I don't care if we're talking corn, soybeans, wheat, anything out there. The more plants you have, you're going to force the plants to grow taller, and you're going to shade out that ground more quickly. Okay, 
we've run into issues the last three years on our own farm because we've had drought. And that stinks because now my crop doesn't get as tall and it hurts our weed control. Okay, The best weed killer there is is crop canopy. So if you can do that, then you don't need to ask as much out of your herbicides. So if it was my farm and I said, oh my gosh, this Palmer is a disaster, here's exactly what I would do. I would start with a full rate of a group 15 and I would probably go with harness. I would add sharpen to it. Now, if you want to go, let's say verdict, which is outlook and sharpen, and then spike some more group 15 in with it to get yourself to a full rate of group 15, fine. Okay, so that's a pretty good way to go. Then early post-emerge, you could go with some more group 15 and maybe HPPD. Uh, That's a lot of times what I'm suggesting to people and a little atrazine and Roundup, and hopefully that's good. What we usually say is, look, if HPPD, atrazine, Roundup, all that stuff isn't killing your Palmer post, well, you're kind of left with status. That's the best thing I know of. Seven and a half ounces is the full rate. Usually five ounces is going to do it. What can you throw in with it? Atrazine? Is that? That's what I was just going to say. Along with your status, you want to throw in atrazine and Roundup. Plus use whatever surfactants and so forth you can. And you can use a group 15 with that as well. So it's, but see, here's the thing. When you start talking about surfactants, you got to be a little bit careful. If you're throwing in a group 15, that's got some oils in it. Whereas atrazine and Roundup, not so much. So now I don't have to be as concerned about which adjuvant. But anyway, yeah, I mean, these would be my suggestions for you. And then I seriously, if you're having major issues still after this, I'd look at narrow row corn and higher pops. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll answer that question at our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop, Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into the best options for weed, insect, and disease control. We'll talk through trade options, including Extend Flex versus Enlist. You'll learn the best ways to stop the worst yield-robbing pests in soybeans, such as gall midge larvae, sclerotinia white mold, water hemp, and kochia. A well-managed soybean crop can have a huge impact on your bottom line. If you've thought of soybeans as a secondary crop in the past, consider this. With today's prices, 70 or 80 bushel soybean yields can give you more than $1,000 of gross income per acre. So if you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, you won't want to miss this free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. 
Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Planting preparation starts as soon as harvest ends. So do successful at-plant strategies. Put time on your side with at-plant inputs, insights, and innovations that help you make the most of next season's planting pass. You're already thinking about seed, inputs, and crop protection when you plan your season. Include them all in your planter to give yourself an at-plant advantage that pays off at harvest. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today. We've been talking about tips for higher yields in soybeans. We do have an Ag PhD soybean workshop that's coming up. It's Thursday, February 8th. Love to see you there. During the day, we're going to go through as many things as we've learned over the years about raising higher yielding soybeans. We've worked with farmers all over the world. Uh, We've improved our average bean yields a lot on our own farm. Um, it, it, it's a little bit of a struggle when we're dry land farmers. Uh, the best, best yielding field we probably have ever had was just a year ago. We had some 90 bushel beans. Almost every year we have some fields that are 70 plus. Um, and in our environment, I feel pretty good about that when we're in drought situations pretty often. So anyway, uh, we're going to talk everything from drainage and fertility. We're going to run through a lot of different options for weed control, insect control, disease control. We'll talk about planting populations, planting early. That's been a big thing that a lot of people have been wondering about. We'll talk through naturals and biologicals, just a lot of stuff when it comes to soybeans. So again, that's the Ag PhD Soybean Workshop. You can go to agphd.com to learn more about that. And by the way, we do have a naturals workshop the day before that, Wednesday, February 7th. And you can learn more about that as well at agphd.com. All right, let's get back to the Ag PhD mailbag, Darren. All right, this one comes in from LW who said, I've watched your shows in the past and I've heard you mention that ash could be used as a soil amendment on farms. Uh, we're working with someone who's burning waste from processing grains and they're producing approximately 20 tons of ash per week. Uh, wow. So, just kind of curious, uh, would you or anyone be interested in purchasing some ash? Uh, LW's up in Manitoba. Well, before I'm purchasing anything that I've never used before, I'm going to be trying it on a small scale. And I'm also going to be testing. So that's probably the number one thing I would say. I'd like to know what's in that ash. Then I'm going to be experimenting with it. And I'm not going to be using it on big time acres until I probably get three to four years in where I have a little experience and I can say, oh, okay, this is what's happening. With ash, yes, it can be good. There usually are some nutrients in there. But the other thing that I just want to make sure we're clear on here is usually ash is high pH. And usually we use that as a liming source. And up where you're from, a lot of times people do not need that. So if you want the pH to go lower and you're putting something on that will make it higher, 
that may not work out very well. But I'd test it, and I'd go from there. All right. Uh, Dennis has got a phosphorus question here. Uh, and Dennis says, uh, why is phosphorus not part of the base saturation calculation? Uh, that's that's an interesting question, Dennis. So with that, that base saturation, we're looking at uh, cations that are attaching to soil. With phosphorus, that's going to form an anion in the soil. So it's just a little different. So it's producing something that has a negative charge. Often it's got a negative one or negative two charge, depending on what. Uh, so how is that binding then? Well, what's interesting with phosphorus is it's it's binding with things that are going to make it insoluble. So then exactly. it can't get into that water in the soil so it's not moving around that's why it stays put so it's it's not going to be a, a cation to to get to be part of that base saturation uh but it it's yeah it's it's also not going to move through the soil okay so that's the number one question we would often get is well why does it stay in soil but here's the other thing when you're talking about that base saturation calcium and magnesium um there there is absolutely a balance you need in your soil same thing with magnesium to potassium. You've got to have a balance in your soil. Same thing with sodium. Same thing with hydrogen. These things need to balance each other. What we find is if they don't, you're not going to raise the high-yielding soybeans we were talking about today or any other crop. With phosphorus, we look more at ratios of phosphorus to zinc and phosphorus to copper, for example, rather than our phosphorus to potassium relationship. We haven't really found that to be this big yield thing where we got to look at phosphorus to potassium or phosphorus to magnesium or something. But anyway, yeah, it's just a little bit different than that base saturation. All right, uh, here we go. We're talking about tips for higher yields and soybeans today. We got a question from Diego. He's down in Argentina. He said, all right, guys, I'm going to have high temperatures next week. My soybeans are right now at R2, full bloom. Now, I know from past experience that strobilurin fungicides can help with plant health, products like Headline in your yes. country. Yep. But is there anything else that can help me with heat stress? I've got some trials on my farm right now with Stoller. They've got a, a product that has boron, calcium, and some hormones, although they don't say which ones, uh, to help with the stress. Do you guys test any similar products uh, and P.S. If I could, I would send some heat over to you guys. <laughs> I wish and you could. P.S. We, we would, would take, take the heat. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> even in the summer, most years we would take the heat. Anyway, we've been using a product called Heat Shield here. It's fungal endophytes, and that has been proven to lower the canopy temperature in the crop. So that's what we would use, but. I don't know that that product is labeled in your country, and I don't know that there's anything like that exactly. But fungal endophytes, and I know it's going to sound weird, but it's a fungus. It's multiple uh, beneficial, fungal species. Beneficial fungal species that live inside the plant and yes. work in harmony with the plant. Thank you. So anyway, I would see if maybe somebody in your country has something like that. As far as the boron, calcium, some of these things, just keep in mind always, your plant's under a lot less stress. If the weeds are dead, the diseases are dead, the bugs, harmful bugs are dead. So, and you've got the plant well-fed. In other words, the right balance and amount of nutrients. And I'd also say when we start talking about the right balance and amount of nutrients, potassium is typically what we found is the number one thing for 
making a plant become a water waster early in the season. What I mean by that is if your plant starts running short on potassium, it's going to pull a lot more water in. And you look at for corn, for beans, for almost any crop, the massive amount of K that has to go into that plant, it goes in with water. If it doesn't have the K on a given day, it's going to start pulling in more water just to get the K. And it didn't need the water. You made your crop a water waster. So keep that in mind in the future. Look hard at potassium, phosphorus, some of the major nutrients. You want to have lots there ready to go every single day. Otherwise, the crop wastes water. All right. A uh, couple of things. One thing we didn't talk about here is seed size. And we got two different questions. Do you guys feel a bigger seed size will have more energy for emergence? And the other question that's along the same lines, in your opinion, does seed size correlate with the ability to emerge from deeper depths? Could big seed perhaps push uh, from a deeper I think it could Planting be worse. I, think, I really think it could be worse. Especially now in we, the case of soybeans. Right. Because when that that uh, the plant is trying to push out. It's bringing the cotyledons with it. And we've seen the cotyledons get stripped off if there isn't a, a big enough gap uh, or it's easy enough to push out of the ground. So, yeah, if you get a little bit of moisture at that time, it's a piece of cake. Everything comes out fine. We deal in a lot of real dry conditions and cru surface crusting and things like that. So I almost think it's an advantage to be a little smaller to get out of the ground. But is it possible that the the plant could have more vigor sure it's possible when there's more seed that the seed is bigger it's got more to go on real early does that always translate to yield of course not but i'll say this just as a seed producer we've raised soybeans for seed our entire lives um I, I want the big seed because that makes me money on the farm. If I can just make my seed size just a fraction bigger, my gosh, I've got so much more yield. And then I'm looking for overall quality with that seed too. It's not just the size. I want to make sure that seed looks as nice as possible, is as disease-free as possible. And then generally speaking, that will translate to better germination score and cold germination score. So it's not always seed size, okay? But could that be a slight factor? Yes. I'd, I'd rather have a bigger seed size, but, you know, in terms of germination doesn't always help. And certainly pushing out of the ground, I can't imagine it's going to help. All right. Last question. Uh, you guys plant an oats cover crop after your silage. Do you harvest the seed? Do you no. hay it or graze it? No, none, none. If we were doing any of those things, it would be a cash crop. This is literally a cover crop. Winter kills it off. The nutrients it would have pulled out of the ground are going to get, or they're going to go back into our entire operation as that residue breaks down. So, nope, it's just a cover. That's what we do. Yep, lots of different strategies when you put that uh, cover crop out there of things you can do to it. Uh, and a lot of questions today and a lot of discussion around higher yields and soybeans. If you have questions on anything, you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.